Well, let's get right into it. Our next guest is a former American Idol contestant winner. You won, right? I did yeah. win, yeah. Dude, the dude freaking won. And he, per he performed a kiss in the finale. I remember watching it like it was yesterday. Brand new record came out, Mountain Mojo Volume 1, with some huge stars guesting on it. We'll talk all about that. Welcome to the show, the extremely handsome and sexy, much more attractive twin brother of mine, <laughs> he looks Mr. Like Caleb Johnson. Caleb Johnson. There he is, everybody. <laughs> Honored to be here, guys. Honored to oh. be here. Dude, yeah. so listen, I was just listening to this record, Mountain Mojo Volume 1. It's available now. You're working with some heavyweights. I mean, you got Jason Bonham on here. His drums sound huge, almost as good as his dad's. You got Damon Johnson on here. You got Tyler Bryant, some big heavy hitter guitar players. Talk about how this record happened. Was it like a quarantine isolation thing, or was this something in the works already? Yeah, you know, this this record uh, kind of came to fruition Um in my head, really, uh, the middle of 2020, you know, the lockdown was in full swing, you know, pandemic, madness, aliens, Godzilla, it was all happening, or right. I wanted it to happen. Yeah. Um, and touring was just non-existent. We weren't doing any shows at all. And so I was like, well, you know what, I think I'm going to go and, and do another album. I was like, I want to, you know, I'm going to take this time and, and kind of capitalize on this kind of downtime and, and, and reach out to some folks and see if they'd be interested in, in, in playing on, on this record. And so I kind of just was like, you know, I, I want to build a killer band. And so Bonham was the first guy that I had reached out to and he was like, I'm in. I'm like, well, holy shit. So here we go. We got the, we got the foundation. And then we, we got, uh, Tony Lucido and Mike Webb are both Nashville A-list uh, session guys, but are definitely rock guys through and through. Um, right, Mike right. Has played on, on, I think, a, a couple of Chris Stapleton's records and also did some keyboards on, the, on that California Breed record. I don't know if you remember that album with Glenn Hughes and Andrew Watt and Bonham uh, yeah. that came out a couple of years ago. Um, Talking about and, Andrew Watt, how can we try and get him on the record? Well, yeah. but I was kind of looking at like people that were kind of in the vicinity of like the East Coast, mm. and I don't know Andrew. I I don't really have a relationship with Andrew. So, and Andrew, I think is West Coast. He's out in L.A. Yeah, he's um, an L.A. Nashville guy. <laughs> so I, so I, but I wanted everybody to be in the room and play. I, I didn't want it to be like a sort of like uh, quarantined record. Right. I wanted I wanted everybody to come to the studio and perform in the studio as a unit, you know, um, and get that synergy and that uh, that mojo. Hey, you know hey, what I'm saying? That uh, mountain mojo. But, yeah. So I, I I kind of just looked at kind of like just people that were on the East Coast and just reached out to them. A lot of the guys were already in Nashville. Damon was in Nashville. Tyler Bryant was in Nashville. Audley Freed was in Nashville. So really the only person that had to come like come out of state was Bonham. Bonham drove up from Florida, like 11 hours, got in this big, huge $60,000 Raptor truck, which was amazing. It had like wow. green camo. So badass. Came up nice. with his drums and we flew out his, uh, drum tech from, from LA and, cool. uh, cut the record in like two days. It was like seven songs in two days. That's that's pretty amazing to hear because it's like in this day and age, everything's, you know, everybody's drums are programmed with the same drum samples and yep. in sessions back and forth. You did this the classic organic old school rock and roll style. And it's awesome. Yeah, we did it. Yeah, it's all live. Like all the stuff that you're hearing is live performances. And what's just I was talking to Jason about this uh, a couple of months ago, actually. Is these guy all this this unit had never played together. 
before. Mm. They, they, these guys, some of these guys, this was the first time meeting one another, you know, on, on this wow. record. So that first day was like literally the first time that any of these guys had played together as a unit. Mm. And I think the first track we cut was, was Dead Man Walking Blues. And it was like around lunchtime. And it just, I mean, it was just seamless. Like, did they, did they just like gel right away? Like they just plugged in on the floor yeah, and started jamming? Yeah, kinda, or, you know, yeah, you know, like making an album, I, I kind of look at it as, as kind of like you're, you're, I'm like the director and, and directing a film and you have to get the right cast yeah. to make that work and gel. You were kind of like Mutt Lang uh, through this whole thing. Yeah. Well, I, yeah. So I actually produced this record <laughs> on my own by default because the guy that was going to co-produce the record with me, my, my cousin, who's like a three-time Grammy winning, amazing bluegrass. No, no, never guitar. hire family. Never hire family, oh, I Caleb. Well, he, well I, but <laughs> it, it worked with him because we, he actually co-produced uh, co-produced the last record, the Born from Southern Ground record that we did back in 19. But okay. he kind of he kind of was helping facilitate like the studio we recorded at Blackbird Studios. and, and Great studio. Uh, yeah, really awesome studio. And we... Uh, he was going to help co-produce, but his daughter got sick with COVID the week before the, the, the session. Mm. And so he's like, I can't be there. He's like, you're going to have to do this on your own. And Damn. I said, oh, shit. But it worked out great. Everything was seamless. And working with those guys was, was a total blast. And really, all I did was just let them do what they wanted to do, you know, and let, mm. let them be who they are and, and be the stars that they are. Okay? Yeah. yeah. So they – but they killed it, man. They just – threw it down like just just brought the house down and i mean well, it, it's funny listening to it because it does sound incredibly live and very organic i mean even jason's yeah. drum sound i can hear the room mics going on in there like it, it sounds it almost sounds like tape to a certain extent like how good and like groovy everybody sounds on in the room you know yeah yeah i mean we we, we i think max the max amount of takes we did per song was about four or five you know mm. takes and Usually by about the fourth or fifth take, we, we pretty much had it, you know? I mean, we were literally learning the stuff on the spot. Like, these guys right. these guys had gotten the demos, but the demos, I mean, if you would have listened to the demo versions of the songs that are now recorded, you it's, like, completely different than what mm-hmm. was the original demos of those, some of those songs, you know? And there was a lot of input. You know, that was the thing. It wasn't like I was just like, this needs to be exactly like this. It was like Damon had an idea. Well, yeah. Or Jason had an idea for Dead Men Walking Blues where the song originally, the demo, it all, everybody just came in. It was like, it was like fucking heavy right out of the gate. He was like, so, like, so did you write, you wrote the songs? Yeah, I co wrote, um, there's seven songs. So two of the songs are covers. Yeah. Uh, well, there's so, Drift Away, the Dobie Gray song. Dobie yeah. Gray, yeah. But the originals and, you wrote. And right. celebrate. So all the originals, yes, I co-wrote. Yeah. So and I, I co-wrote those with my guitar player, longtime guitar player Josh Sawyer, who's also on on the record as well. We that we've been playing music since we were kids in high school. So I, I co-wrote Dead Man with 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 Josh, Glory Bound with Josh, and Child of the Wild with Josh. Mm-hmm. And then Hurricane I wrote with Damon Johnson. So cool. Who's an amazing yeah, talent. He's so great, Damon. I mean, like, you know, when you're bringing in musicians like that, I mean, you can't really go wrong. And it's like, do you, do you even argue with them? You know? <laughs> I mean, there was no there was no place to argue. I mean, it was just a very yeah. seamless, natural. But then how thing. do you, you know, how do you, okay, well, let me ask you this. You're bringing in a drummer like Jason Bonham. You've got Tyler Bryant. you got Damon Johnson in there. How do they elevate the song from your demo to what goes on the record? Oh, they shoot it through the roof. I mean, they... 
they bring a lot of attitude. They bring a lot of charisma. They bring a lot of soul mm -hmm. to those. Because a demo is a demo. A demo, you're not like performing it. You're just kind of like getting the bare bones, like structure of the song down mm -hmm. to kind of like go off of. You know, it's like verse, chorus, chorus, what, you know, bridge, guitar solo, whatever. Yeah. But it's all really a blank canvas because you take that template in and you're like, well, I hear something. I hear this other thing. Like, what if we, instead of doing this, we do that? Or what if we change the melody on this? Or what if we extend this, this bridge to some, you know, into a, a, a musical thing? Or, or, you know, it's like the demos are templates, but when the musicians get in and they actually perform together, that's when it, the songs really come to life. And they really, mm. the, your vision is like, it's manifesting, you know, right before your ears and eyes, you know? So mm. they, the musicians, they take it, they, they're basically like, and this is very cheesy, you know, you know, Bob Ross type thing, but <laughs> you know, it's like a painter and you have your template, you have your thing. And the musicians are like the paints. And mm -hmm. when you start to paint, the, the picture forms you know and it's like they're guiding that that picture or whatever but oh, well now mitch is just picturing you playing with tyler bryant's paintbrush it's uh exactly quite the visual <laughs> yes <laughs> hey let me just ask you this because visualizations oh my lord yeah they're, they're so good oh, you've got I'm the venom shirt now. on you you bring in jason bonham you've got damon johnson you're doing this rock stuff you're hanging out with uh did you just Desmond say you got the venom shirt on is that what you said that's just, what he got, said it's you exactly got the venom shirt on bro you got but my, my what i'm trying to get to is is you're very much metal you're very much hard rock how was it on american idol to be in that structured pop world did it just drive you crazy or you're like hey i got a goal and it's to be a rock and roll singer and it's to be popular and this is just part of the process uh you know they really for me that the, the the production i the american idol production were not i mean they they definitely gave me some pushback on the kind of rock stuff to a certain degree but they really kind of let me do my own thing i was they were very much like this guy's great. Let him do what he wants to do, you know? And so yeah, I really kind of just in terms of like playing the pop game, I just kind of did. Cause I, there was a, there was a point that when I was on the show that they were like, you know, you're kind of doing the same thing every week. You're doing a rock song. Da, da, da. And then I was like, well, you kiss my ass. Here's a Adele Skyfall. You know what I'm saying? Like, like I, I know, yeah. like I, I, I really kind of did that just to be like, to show them like I was not a one trick pony, but that my heart was in rock. You know what I'm and saying? I'm, like, and look, I mean, you look at the, some of the songs you did at the time. I remember you did like, I'm pretty sure you did still of the night. And I remember seeing it. Yeah. And I it, did like, white snake. Yeah. 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 You, you did like days and confused, like proper, proper rock songs that takes mm -hmm. a lot to sing. And yeah. I feel like that might've scared the other contestants or even cause it's like, Everybody wants to be a pop star and their ultimate goals, you know, be on top four to be on Z100. We got the new American Idol single, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, what's that, never, what's that never happened? Like that never happened for me after the show. It, But but being on the show, that was never my goal to begin with. I never. Do you think because wanting... you were a rock guy, they tried to suppress your success? Oh, totally. Yes, they did. Absolutely. I mean, that. I mean, when I was doing when we did the. Uh, they were doing the winner's single, which was this, and and I, I have no ill will towards to this guy, or I'm a, I'm a big fan of his band and his music, but the song that they had presented me was just total garbage. It was awful. It was a song called mm -hmm. 
As Long As You Love Me, which was written by Justin Hawk- Hawkins from The Darkness. And right. it just had this this just just terrible lyrical content. It was like cracking eggs to make omelets and like was it, wearing oh, it's lame. Yeah, wearing the same track suits. I'm like, what does that have to do with me? Like what what is this yeah. in the context of you know, and I was like, and I and I'm not even I'm not even shitting you. This is the exact words that came out of this guy's mouth. But I was I was at the studio in Calabasas and I talked, I turned to the AR guy for Interscope Records and I handed him the lyric sheet and I was like, Do you think this is a hit song? And he and he looked me dead in the eyes. He was like, Caleb, nobody writes rock songs anymore. So he told me. And I was like, Oh my God. I was like, I knew right then and there that this was going to be a nightmare, you know, oh, work with man. these people. And um, you know, it is what it it is what it, it is what it is, but I kind of I didn't have that goal. Like I didn't have that. Oh my God, I'll be a big pop star. Da, da, da. I just wanted to do rock music, and and this was a great platform to do that on, and and mm. showed my stuff, and, and you know, and that was kind of like my mindset in the show. And I I didn't even have the mindset to even win it. It was just that this was a great opportunity, yeah. you know, and just get my voice out there and whatever, you know. And so, mm-hmm. but yes, definitely they they definitely suppressed it. They um and the unfortunate thing is is that doing the record i kind of was like you know because i i wanted their support obviously because i was like this is my career you know like Mm -hmm. and we have to work together by default you know so there was an there was there was a thing of like i i need to play the game a little bit with them and so i when we did this record and there's some great songs on that first idol record i mean i don't i don't really claim that to be like my best record but there's some really great gems yeah. on it that should like for example the song fighting gravity that should have been like a number one pop crossover rock hit you know mm-hmm. but they put no support by, they put literally no support behind or that if single. they did like a country a country arrangement with keith urban guesting a guitar solo or yeah. something that would have immediately been on the highway yeah, the next but day. that was a little but that was a little before before it's time because i mm-hmm. When we were making the rec, but when we were in the, the first stages of the record, I really wanted this guy named Dave Cobb to produce that record. And they were like, who the fuck is Dave Cobb? And I'm like, yeah. Dave Cobb. He just worked with Crownlands on their new album. He's like making a name. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, but well, make it with, with obviously with Chris Stapleton. Like he produced. Yeah. Chris, so, so what I'm getting at is that Dave Cobb was kind of like on the up and up. And I was like, I want to work with Dave. I was like, Dave's done all the Rival Sons records, mm-hmm. you know, uh, I think he'd done like Shooter Jennings and stuff like that. And they're like, no, you're going to work with this other guy who's had, you know, a track record of success that kind of, he had like a big track record of success, like in the, in the middle, the mid two thousands with like all American rejects, Daughtry. Okay. POD, which really, it wasn't my, that wasn't my vibe, you know, definitely I was a blues rock dude. Right. And Dave was that guy. And they're like, who the fuck is Dave Cobb? Dave Cobb hadn't had that (laughs) massive amount of success that he had. Ha, has had now mm-hmm. with Chris Stapleton and uh, uh, Sturgill Simpson and Jason Isbell. And I mean, you name, he's like the hottest guy producer in Nashville now. And I saw that, that he was going to be that guy, but mm-hmm. they wouldn't listen to me. And so after the fact, when I got out of all the contracts with 19 and, and Intersco- Interscope and Chris Stapleton had just blown up, he had just done the thing with, with J- Justin Timberlake mm-hmm. and he was taken off. I was like, that could have been me, you assholes. But yeah, you fucked it up, you know. <laughs> yeah. 
And I was God, like, that, that must be... I was like, you got to have your your finger on the pulse, guys. Like, yeah, you can't it helps. It you helps. can't look at and what's it's... coming around. What's hey, been Jeremy, around, you know? Jeremy, just one second. I want to ask you, Jeremy, a question. When you're in top forty radio, do they come to you with the American Idol records and say this is a priority because you know Jennifer out there wants to listen to this? I mean, do they do they give any weight to well, American Idol? Well, look, I mean, even with the stuff that's coming out, like it's come out of the voice in the last couple of years. I mean, in reality, nobody's really made a big hit or come out of it right. and been hugely successful because, you know, you either have the record, you know, the label guy, you know, pushing for ads. Hey, I need an extra couple of spins on this or that. If it doesn't test well with the focus group, we're not going to spin it. I mean, every single really? song we play on our station goes through an auditorium test. It's tested with uh our core demo of like who the station targets right. so your, your the, jennifers as they yeah call it could them. be the number one song in the world i'll give you an example there was like a justin bieber song like maybe like two years ago and like it was the number one song and it was just like a little too aggressive in the production so the station was like oh we can't play it but the record label's like but it's number one they're like yeah but it didn't test well with our audience so we can't add it so it really does actually come down to the audience yeah. in a lot of situations Wow. Yeah. But it's a, but also it comes down to, you know, what the record and your arrangement and how the song sounds. I mean, you know, shitty yeah. production will drive a really good song into the ground. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And that was the case with that with that. As long as you love me, that was just like a very cheesy. I mean, if you guys pull that up and listen to you and think, my God, what the hell were they thinking? You know, <laughs> but but unfortunately, it was out of my hands. I really had no control over that. And in the, in the terms of like fighting gravity, I dropped. There, the, so first of all, there was no single really that was pushed from that album. Nothing. Yeah. So I dropped thirty thousand dollars of my own money into doing a music video for Fighting Grab because there was no single music video. There was nothing. If wow. if I hadn't have done that, there would have literally been no uh, uh, wow, that, proof that 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 record had even come out. You know what I'm saying? Like I it, thought there was a whole infrastructure. I thought that you had a contract and they had a, all kinds of stuff in place. Because you look no, at they, I mean, they, they pulled at... out. I mean, they they, really? they, were, they were like going for this other song that was really just a terrible song and it had a bunch of auto tune on it. And I was like, God, why, why, you know? But is it a guy girl gonna, thing? They were going to do it. They, yeah. were, they were they were supposed to do a music video for it, but they pulled up. They pulled the plug on it. They were like, we're not going to even do it. We're not Cause even going to. Because you look at Kelly Clarkson and you look at all Carrie Underwood and all these people, they they, they pushed them all over the place. So, yeah. It's yeah. A, and I mean, look, dude, with Kelly Clarkson, they immediately threw her with Max Martin and Dr. Luke. Caleb, they won't even give him like, an almost nobody producer he wanted to work with. So, they, look at, they, yeah. they threw him with Mitch and Jeremy. That's what they did. Look at that. Yeah. Look at that. Yeah. Exactly. God, so they couldn't even was, hook you up with Joey you know, Moy or somebody. Yeah. It was, uh, uh, it was it was a it was a it was a very quick learning experience about mm -hmm. about uh, I learned a lot from that whole situation in that scenario. But but what I really learned from it was like shit. I can do this on my own. I was like I don't need all all these people. Yeah. Like the people that have your best interest is yourself, you know. And that and and, yeah. and if you have a really good gauge on your vision, mm -hmm. you can do whatever the hell you want to. And that just proves my point with this record with Mountain Mojo. I produced this entire record, got all these guys on it, and it sounds fucking amazing. Like you you don't have to go through a machine kind of thing da 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 da, da. you know now now mm -hmm. i definitely uh i i lied in the bed that i made because i did i, I went on idol and i knew kind of what i was sort of in for but mm -hmm. you really don't know that until you take the risk and do the and, and and jump off the ledge and that's kind of where 
you know, at, at least I made the effort to try to get my voice and stuff out there, which right. it totally did, you know. Right. I wouldn't be talking to you guys. But unfortunately, the aftermath immediately after the show was a very rocky, shitty um, experience to a certain degree, you know. But it yeah. happens. I'm not the first artist that that's happened to. And I'm definitely not the last artist that that's happened to. But right. the main thing is that you kind of have to move forward and beyond that, you know. And it's been great. I mean, I've had such a blast being an independent artist, getting to do whatever I want to, want to do. And, you know, I have a really good fan base that has been able to sustain me, you know, beyond yeah. Yeah. the show. That's not even just from the show. I mean, obviously, a, a lot of the core fans are from that show, but I've been able to do arena tours with Kiss and do shows with Cheap Trick and Sammy Hagar and, you know, Joan Jett and Blackstone Cherry and, you know, now mm -hmm. in Trans-Siberian Orchestra. So it's yeah. it's awesome. I mean, it's definitely given me a career in, you know, in, in what I love, which is music, you know, so. How did you uh, how did you get hooked up with Doc McGee because of the Kiss thing on American Idol? Or? Yeah, yeah, that was that. So the, that whole thing came about from the, the finale. And Doc was like, do you have a manager? And I was like, well, I'm probably going to be with 19 after the, the show or whatever. He probably. was like, well, yeah. And he was like, you know, well, you know, keep me in mind and give me a call. And so when I got out of all that uh, stuff, called Doc, went to his office, and then that was it. It was mm -hmm. on the Kiss tour like the next year, you know. So, and Doc's a great guy. He's obviously, he's a legend. He's iconic, you know, in the rock with bon rock world bon jovi and absolutely Scorpion skid row Motley snake Crew. sabo is snake sabo is my day-to-day -day guy who i was just talking to before i yeah it's his I birthday was, today it is his birthday i, I was saying him happy birthday and he said shut the hell up you asshole <laughs> just kidding <laughs> no, actually i'm not I right. Do you want to stay a, a solo artist or if a band like like a White Snake or, or a Scorpion says, Soundgarden? Hey, yeah. Soundgarden. Sound we need Garden a, we called need... me up today and was like, come sing with us. I'd be like, fuck yeah. I'll be there I'm in out. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And that's kind of like the, I, and also the Meatloaf thing with, with this, the, the Meatloaf stuff with Paul Crook and those guys, yeah. you know, that's kind of what that's going for right now. Mm -hmm. But I don't really know how much longer that's going to happen. You know, I, I really, cause I, I don't really have a say in the matter, you know, but I've been doing that for like three years now and it's great. And I fucking love, you know, bad out of hell and fucking meatloaf. And I mean, mm -hmm. to me, he's one of the greatest rock singers ever. And by the way, I, yes. I think they did it right. Cause you look at some of these bands that lose all the members and then they, they continue with the brand name. You know, you lost meatloaf. He can't, he can't do it. And instead of saying, Oh, well here's Caleb being meatloaf. They just went, no, we're just going to call it the, the meatloaf show. And, and, and it's brilliant. I mean, Paul yeah. is brilliant. Paul yeah, is just... yeah Meatloaf, Meatloaf presents that or whatever. Right. Now, on down the road, they might actually, you know, it might be the actual name. But I, again, I, that's a very on down the road thing. And I, I don't know how much longer I'm going to be with that, with that Production. unit. But they're amazing. Paul Crook is like, fuck, he's one of the greatest guitar players I've ever worked with. Yeah. And that band kicks ass, dude. Neverland and Express. And, and to think that he came from Anthrax. He, he was the replacement guy in Anthrax, and now he's got this great career doing this stuff. It's fantastic. Wow. I didn't even know about that. Yeah, he was yeah, in Anthrax you know, in mid-'90s. Yeah, he uh, – I mean, really, it just came down to, you know, Meatloaf has had a lot of health issues over the years, mm -hmm. and it's just gotten progressively worse. And, yeah, you know, Paul's been Meatloaf's musical director for, like, 20 years, and, and Paul saw me on Idol, and he was like, I want to work with that guy. You know, he was like, I want to I work with him, and – 
obviously he'd be a perfect fit for this, you know? And so, and I love that out those albums, Bad Out Hell one and two. And, um, actually the first record, the first meatloaf record I got was Bad Out of Hell live or meatloaf live with the Melbourne symphony orchestra, which has those guys on it, the Neverland express. So it was a very cool full, full circle moment hmm. performing with those guys, because that was such a, a very influential record for me when I was a young, young whippersnapper, you know? Yeah. Uh, and they're great guys, dude. They fucking kill it. But yeah, like if Soundgarden fucking call me, I'd be like, I'm there. That you would know? be like me trying, you know, joining Shania Twain's band. Like <laughs> that would be yeah. the childhood dream. <laughs> yeah. Da, 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 da. Yeah. Let's go, Caleb. And <laughs> it, and 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 <laughs> oh, fuck. Well, anyways, listen, brand new album, Mountain Mojo Volume One's available now where music is sold. Have you done the vinyl? You done the cassettes? You're doing uh, physical copies, all that stuff? Yeah. Vinyl right here, baby. Oh, look, look at that. At that. Right, are, you, are you doing the uh, autographed copies uh, available on the website or? Yeah. So you go to www.calebjohnsonofficial.com. That's www.calebjohnsonofficial.com. You get the signed vinyl, you get the CD, you get the t-shirt, you get the sex toy, you get the yeah, whole you, thing. You get the Polaroid nudes. We'll uh, slip everything in for you. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, and, and listen, I mean, the record itself, I mean, honestly, because uh, Born from Southern Ground, I really, I really love that record a lot. But mm. this record here, man, is like, I really feel like this is like the cream of the crop thus far that I've, you know, put out. Like this really oh, is. It's, like, it sounds fantastic, and the songs are brilliant, and the performances are incredible. It's, it's honestly one of my favorites of the year. So that's no bullshit I, either. Well, I greatly appreciate that. And, yeah. and the other thing too is that we not only was the band killer but we got some really heavy hitters with the engineering and mixing and mastering we got brandon yeah. bell uh who engineered the record brandon has done brandon actually engineered i think he mixed the uh sound garden brandy carlisle uh mm. collaboration which that was amazing he's also done stuff with tons of stuff with zach brown and excuse me um robert randolph and the family band and, and a lot of the american americana type artists and then we got Vance Powell, who's like a six-time Grammy-winning mixer, engineer, producer mm -hmm. that has mixed all of Chris Stapleton's records, Jack White's records. Uh, I think he's done did the uh, the Dead Weather records. Uh, the oh, those Tour. Dead Weather records sound incredible. Yeah, um, and then Pete Lyman, who mastered the record, beats and all of Chris Stapleton's stuff. He's done the most recent Fallout Boy records and All American. I mean, uh, Panic at the Disco, Rival Sons, all that stuff. You know, mm -hmm. so great. Stuff. It's just it's just a oh. chef's kiss. You know what I'm saying? A little ah, you know. And by the way, we haven't really mentioned TSO. Are you are you looking forward to the tour? I, I've spoken to a couple of the other members who are scared shitless because of the whole COVID thing. Are you in the scared shitless pile, or are you in the? Eh, let's just go rock and roll. Come on. Yeah, you know, I think it's a it's a mixture of both. I think uh, my mental capacity now is just completely numb to all the COVID stuff because last year was just such a, a a nightmare I mean I was just like I turned into a hypochondriac I was like that and now I'm just like there's nothing you can do about it I mean it's there it's yeah. here I mean you're just gonna have to roll with it and so I'm I'm kind of at the point now where whatever happens happens you know and I commend this organization for going out and doing the tour because people real th this show is really is such a special show. Like it's, it, I mean, 
I mean, when we did, because we did Christmas Eve and other stories tour back in 19. I mean, by the middle of the show, you'll be in tears. Like you'll be bawling your eyes out because it's just such a magical, emotional, um, beautiful show. Like that, that story, that rock opera. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's going to have a lot more weight and meaning to it this year, you know, doing it live with, with these audiences that come to the show, because it's going to be a spiritual um, moment. I, th- I really feel no, like it, it will is. be because yeah. Paul O'Neill definitely tapped into that with, with that, with that Christmas Eve and other stories, rock opera. And, um, you know, I really truly feel like people are going to need that. And it's going to be a great kind of exorcism of like all the stress and pain and anxiety and loss and, all that stuff is going to, is going to be a really great healing moment for a lot of people that come to that show. And it's, and, and I listen, I'm, I'm very honored to be a part of that organization and that band and great people. I mean, fantastic singers, musicians. I mean, they've got Joel Hoekstra. Of, come on. Yeah. Joel, Joel Hoekstra is the man. I mean, and then, you know, Chris Cafferty, uh, Jeff yep. plate. I mean, uh, Al Petrelli, uh, yeah, uh, Jeff Scott Soto too, does he, is, is Jeff Scott still doing it? Jeff's still doing. I mean, you got Jeff Scott Soto, you got Russell Allen, you got wow. uh, you got Dino Jalusic, who's now the yeah. uh, White Snake, the keyboard player for White, White Snake. Snake. We like that. We <laughs> like know? that. Uh, but uh, we need to get this show to Montreal. I mean, TSO hasn't been here since I think two thousand four. Wow, it's, it's it's been a long motherfucking time. Yeah. And well, we, I, well, we well we played Toronto. We played Toronto back in nineteen. That was the last show of the tour. Toronto uh, sucks. Just kidding. I'm on the air in Toronto now. I can't say that. <laughs> well, how I far? Love, how far is Tor- Toronto, Toronto from, from Montreal? I, about six hour drive. Yeah, it's yeah, it's like five and five and change. Yeah. Well, what's going on? What's going on with the border stuff? Are they letting people in and out, or what's what's happening with that? Uh, you got to get a test before you go, and you have a negative test when you get here, and then you got to take a negative take a test before you go back. It's a it's a whole thing. You can yeah. sort of fly in and out, but we can't drive over. Like if I yeah. want to go over to Plattsburgh, New York, I can't yeah, see, go that's, right that now. That doesn't make any sense to me because I did a, I did a zero fucking sense. Show. Yeah, I did a private charity show with Tommy Thayer over the weekend. It was like it was so cool. It was like you got Tommy Thayer, and then like basically like ex members of Chicago. <laughs> like that was the backing band, and so wow. I. I I sang for that band for this amazing uh, uh, charity event that, that Tommy puts on, or, or they just started. It's called the Thayer Family Foundation, and we, they raised like over half a million dollars for wow. homeless mm. veterans uh, over the weekend. And the table that I was sitting at, there was a, fa- a couple from Canada, and they were like, you know, you can fly out, but you can't drive out. And I'm like, what yeah. kind of sense does that even make? Dude, it's zero what? sense. And the funny thing is that, like, you have to take a test. I think it's 72 hours in advance. It has to be negative. But to be fair, you can contract COVID within those three days of getting your test and then fly out. And right. then t- you have to take another test, you know, when you land. If you say, And then, like, three days later, it's it's so weird. So you have to spend at least three days in the States if you go down from Canada. Oh, my God. <laughs> and, and, you know, another weird wrinkle is they banned flights from India for a while. But they didn't ban people coming from India. So you, the, folks can literally fly to Frankfurt, Germany, and then take a flight here, and it's perfectly fine. Yep. As long as you're fully <laughs> vaxxed, no test, nothing. Fly to Europe. You don't even good. have to be You don't even have to be fully vaxxed. You can go from in, from, from Bombay or Delhi or whatever to Frankfurt to Montreal, but you can't do Delhi yeah. to Montreal direct. It's it's like oh it's, same, it's the same person coming in. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. 
I, I, I don't know. And that's, you know, going back to your original question about people, be, the TSO thing and about people being scared out of their minds and all that stuff. I mean, it's definitely going to be interesting once it gets going. Right. Like if somebody does get COVID, what's going to happen in the band? Because you have a lot of, first you got like, it's a huge band. It's like, Right. I don't mm-hmm. know, like a 10, 11, 12 piece band. That's you know? why you record like 10 shows on Pro Tools in rehearsal. <laughs> and then if that person's sick, you just, you know, unmute their track live and you're good. <laughs> yeah. But see, that's I mean, the thing is like, because like, and Kiss was a good example of this. Like, so Paul Stanley got COVID. They had to shut down like five shows. So right. mm-hmm. if one of us gets sick, are they going to shut down the, 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 the tour? And that's, that's a big, big production. Like, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. You know, I, I, I'm definitely, I'm sure they're going to have very strict protocols, like with just like. Yeah, but still. Yeah. You know, the best Gene protocol and were, uh, yeah, yeah, Gene and Paul. Jeez. But just Gene get your plexiglass were... ready. Just just make sure you have all your plexiglass. Yeah, yeah I know. They're going to have a plexiglass on stage, like the, the choir, the choral, we're, we're doing the choral stuff. <laughs> like yeah, the drummers. In between yeah. plexiglass. Uh, you know how play. drummers sometimes have that yeah. plexiglass? Everyone's going to have their own isolation booth on stage now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It'll be terrific. But, and by the way, yeah. another uh, real quick Shania Twain reference. Former violinist for TSO, Mark Wood, is the father of Shania Twain's drummer, Elijah Wood. So yep. there you go. Hey, yeah, Elijah uh, Elijah was, was – so there was a, a girl that was – she was brand new on the TSO tour back in 19. And really sweet, beautiful girl, Haley, um, that Elijah was dating her. And she came, uh, Elijah came to the shows to see her. And then her dad, uh, Elijah's dad was at the shows as well. So we got to meet all those, those cats. And it was, yeah. it was. And I think really, Haley really cool. was one of the, I think she was one of Shania's backup singers too on the last tour. Yep. Yeah. And I, I also think she... Roddy, I think Roddy Chong played. Yes. he. Shania. Yes. He was Shania's OG fiddle player. I'm a huge Roddy fan. Yeah. He's awesome. He's great. He's, Mitch, he's you ever amazing. want to see somebody play like really, like look really cool playing a fiddle? You look at Roddy. He's just like all those OG like Shania band members. Like they have such a swagger and like a coolness and like intensity to the way they play. Like they just look so cool. Roddy's the man, dude. I, I you know, Shania, she brings it and she's got killer band, you know? Yep. yep. And now is Elijah still with her? Uh, Yeah. They're, yeah, they're doing the Vegas shows in uh, December. So, which I want to wow. go down for. So. Yeah, and I've just mm. and, and, and I've just now started going back to concerts. Like I just saw the Black Crows and Dirty Honey. Oh, how was that? Ago. It was amazing. It was like one of the greatest rock and roll shows I've ever seen. I mean, they Chris sounded amazing. Dirty Honey was amazing, and it was so good to go see a, a show like a concert again. And Mark, everybody, was Mark Bell, man, great singer. Yeah, miss me when I'm gone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. super high. Yeah. All that vibrato Axel too. Just yeah. Very, yeah. very killer. And he, that, that band is a killer rock band. It's great to see these young rock and roll bands like coming up and like just, you got them, you got uh, uh, Wolfgang's band, Mammoth. I think Mammoth, they're great. Yep. Uh, the Struts are still killing it. Like, the just... Struts are great. I'm friends with all those guys, the Struts yep. guys. Uh, mm-hmm. And then you got Greta Van Fleet, which I really enjoyed their, the last record, they, the more proggy kind of rush kind of deal. Like, the yeah. very. There's a, there's a band out there called Joyous Wolf. That's actually something mm-hmm. fun to watch. Those guys are good too. Yeah. They're kind of like a Pearl Jam kind of vibe, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, they're they're a bit more sort of yeah dirty rock if you want to call it, but they're they're just fun. They opened for Buck Cherry mm-hmm. on a tour, and I saw the tour three four times, and they were just great live, you know. Yeah. 
and their Dude. tour manager is, is a former NHL referee. So, hey, got the hockey. Nice. So why not? It's yeah. great. I really feel like over the past couple of years, there's been a, a, an influx of really great young rock bands, rock and roll bands. Well, dude, and- just today, there's a great Canadian band called Crownlands that put out a, a new EP. And like they're it's just two dudes and they're doing like Rush Triumph kind of like proggy, but like classic sounding rock. It's really good. Yeah, I think I heard about that. I need I need to to check out that that band. Are they how many records have they put out thus far? Like yeah, four oh. EPs. Yeah, like four EPs and yeah. But, but they've the worked latest with came like, out today. Uh, White Buffalo, right? Yep, White Buffalo is the new one came out today. It's they're really good, dude. Check them out, Crownlands. Isn't that cool that you got bands that are being more progressive and like more fan- fantasy, science fiction kind of yes, space movie kind of you know they, yeah it's that old throwback rush the 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 late seventies rush era and the uh, bathrobes the kimonos yes the, the kimonos, kimonos looking yes. like Jedi masters uh, oh, the good old uh, days exactly yeah uh, we are the priests yeah of the yeah. temples yeah but I, I love that shit I, I I eat that stuff up and. The Dio stuff, the, the, the Black Sabbath, the mob rules, and mm-hmm. all that imagery. I'll be honest with the... you, Caleb. I'll be honest with you. I, I find that in the rock world, though, these days, everybody's trying to be too 70s, like, you know, rushy Zeppelin. Even Greta Van Fleet, you know, it's too Zeppelin-y stuff. I'm waiting for bands to come back and play melodic hard rock. I want, like, some Def Leppard-sounding bands. I want oh, some like Bon Jovi-sounding yeah. bands, you know? Yeah. That's called Nickelback. Yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. but I feel like Nickelback is, is very much like... Um, it's just hard rock. Like it's very yes. much, it's, it's like heartland rock. It's almost. the black album regurgitated eight times. Yeah. But they, but they, they very much sing about like small town. Like it's a very, like not almost not Bob Seger's kind of pushing it, but like a very like, yeah. Middle America. Like it's a very heartlandish type, uh, sound like with just the lyrical, content you know well, like, yeah, no, that makes sense. like a straight up animals is like a straight up like almost like it's like a heavy version of like a 50s rock and roll song you know what i'm saying about having sex yeah. in the back of a car you listen like to a song that. like this afternoon where they're just singing about getting drunk you know yeah yeah <laughs> better yeah. hang on if you're tagging along yeah i hate i like nickelback i really I love I, nickelback yeah so they're great they're great I, I yeah. do too but, but mm-hmm. it really is it, it's sort of like living on a prayer lyrics put to a black album kind of vibe exactly what they do and it's mm-hmm. i like it yeah. and it's funny are they we talk... from canada right are they, are they from yeah. alberta yeah good yeah. alberta yeah. all the great you wouldn't Canadian... think that you wouldn't think that listening no. to them i would i thought they were from like down south LA. or something like that oh they, they no, sound LA. total la it's total san diego la kind of vibe yeah 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 but it's going back true. but hey but go, uh going back to the 70s thing you know i personally I would rather hear something that sounds like seventies than like a more modernized thing, because that's just the, the, I love that stuff. I love yeah. the experimental, the experimental, uh, uh, I mean, aspect of I'm, it. I'm, I'm not even making up a word, but just very experimentalist. That's a real word. No, no they, totally. Yeah. Totally. Aspect of those seventies rock band records where they weren't afraid. Like you have like a, a guy like Alice Cooper that would do like a thing like schools out which is a very anthemic thing. And then he would do like a concept record, like welcome to my nightmare and have all these different parts that it's the greatest yeah. record he's ever made. It, it, it absolutely is. But, or, or like uh pink Floyd, you know, the pink Floyd, the wall, like those type of uh, very like storytelling. Mm-hmm. It's just more, it's more for the palette. Like it's kind of like the who that like Tommy and Quadrophenia, you, you, they really expand on their, on their uh, 
sound sonically. So I've definitely, I'm, dude, I'm, I'm all about that stuff. So I'm going to check out Crownlands for sure. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. you'll like it. The new, the new EP, the first three songs are like four minutes each, you know, like good radio-friendly Bon Jovi-type songs. And then the last song is 13 and a half minutes. And it's a, it's, great. it's a voyage. I mean, it's just sounds yeah. and moods. And it's two and... dudes. It's only two people. Yep. Wow. So does yeah. the guy do the Getty Lee thing where he plays like organs and stuff? He's or got Taurus pedals and yeah. uh, everything. Is he playing bass or guitar? Guitar. Yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah. Yeah, they're good. But, but, right. but they're two people on stage. I guess like the White Stripes, right? Which, which are only two, I guess. They're Royal Blood. Yeah. The, the In Royal Blood. Blood. Yeah. So yeah. it's yep. it's it's fascinating because they we asked them, we, we interviewed them recently and we said, uh, do you cheat? Do you run Pro Tools? Do you run tape? And they were like, nope. fuck that. No, man, we got Taurus pedals. We're, we're triggering everything live in real time. Like, it's it's a proper performance. So I was like, oh, that's cool. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Well, I'm, I'm checking that out. I'm going to take an edible later and just listen to all that crap. So, Dude, you'll love it. You'll, you'll you love can, that. You'll love you, that 13-minute song on an edible. Yeah. Let me tell you. Hell yeah. Can't handle Hell that yeah. shit on strong acid. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. Well, this has been great. Right. Absolutely fantastic. I'm glad yes. we got to to connect again. This is our it's our second interview, Jeremy. It's your first. Yeah, it's first time meeting. This is awesome. It's cool yeah. to finally uh, finally chat. Yes, yes. Likewise, likewise, guys. Mitch, yeah. always a pleasure, dude. Thank you, sir. Always uh, always great. And uh, we'll have this up in a couple of weeks. And uh, there you go. We'll be good. Awesome, awesome. All right, guys. All right. Stay safe. Cool. See you later, man. <laughs>